Uh, my name's Ed. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, this is John. We'll get to John in a minute. Right now his job is just to look handsome. Um, uh, John often is seen uh, playing bass at the back of the stage or guitar in front of the stage. Today he's going to talk in the microphone. We're going to ask him to be good. Let's, uh, let's kick off with prayer this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your promises. And I guess more than that, your faithfulness in being true to your promises. Would you speak to us today? Lord, um, some of us are just in a good place, and uh, you've awakened our soul, and we thank you. Lord, others of us are struggling, uh, limping, maybe worse. And still you're faithful, and I pray that uh, especially for us, you would speak, stir our hearts, remind us of your greatness, your faithfulness, your promises. Some of us, Lord, are on the outside of faith, um, just by habit, or we just have a hard time believing. And I pray, Lord, that you would show up, that you would uh, make yourself real, that you would stir our chest, and um, that you would uh, renew our minds, Lord. Today, we think about we think about our thoughts, our thought life, our mind life, and how that influences our heart life and how that influences our action. And we just pray, Lord, for alignment and alignment with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I read an interview recently with the author Oliver Berkman about New Year's resolutions. And uh, Berkman is a so-called expert on productivity. Uh, maybe more than that, uh, Berkman also has a, a very uh, sober view, a clear-headed view concerning the time that human beings have on earth. Listen to this. Berkman said, quote, the average human lifespan is absurdly, terrifyingly, insultingly short, end quote. In fact, the title of his book is 4,000 Weeks time management for mere mortals. That is, by the way, the lifespan of the average American, 4,000 weeks. 4,000 weeks. So how do we make the most of our absurdly, terrifyingly, insultingly short lives? How do we make the most of this next year? Happy New Year. Wasn't the last time, Jordan. Uh, for some of us, this will be a challenging year, and we already know that. For others of us, it will be challenging in ways that we don't know about yet, we're clueless about, but we know there'll be challenges. There'll be joys, there will be trials for us this year, there are gonna be losses and gains. Many of us will take new territory this year. Some of us already have a sense of what that new territory might be. And I believe that's true for us as a church. I believe this year we will take new territory. That's a big part of the reason I believe God wanted us to start our year out with a concerted prayer effort, which we're in. So speaking of which, uh, John, thank you. You signed up for uh, a prayer slot. I got a great text, I think, from you about your prayer. So 
Uh, how did you feel about it going into it, going into trying to pray for an hour? I guess I, I felt um, partly it was something I knew I needed to do. I, certainly we all know, know that we need to pray more, right? Um, but I was just kind of encouraged that the staff had the idea of having the entire, inviting the entire church to cover every hour of this month in prayer. So how did you spend the hour? I mean, literally, how did you, how, how did you accomplish an hour in prayer? I mean, that's not easy. So how, how did you do this? I leaned on the guide that was given because there are like seven or eight different sections or Yeah, there, there's, 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 there's ten areas. sections. Yeah, ten, yeah. Okay, ten uh, sections um, that you can read about, and you call them bricks. Um, and it was... It was super helpful having that guide, and each one had a, a scripture reference where you could start. Did you and time you yourself of, as you were going? Yeah, through? I set up a, because normally when I try to pray, I feel like I've been praying for a good couple of hours, and it's been like 15 minutes. So I set the timer on my uh, iPhone and just put it aside so that when it got to the end of the hour, I would know it was there. So that that's... You could tap things. out at the end of the yeah. hour. Okay, so uh, what happened? How was it? <laughs> um, it was vital that I had that guide because, and I think I, the text I sent you was something to the effect of, okay, I've prayed for the hour a couple of times this week, and I'm really bad at this. <laughs> I just, I don't. I've got to have that guide because I feel like no matter how hard I tried, my mind was wandering. Mm -hmm. Even There's even one of the little sections that talks about, okay, slow down, focus on, you know, focus on God, focus on what you're doing. And I'm like 15, 20 seconds into it and, oh, I need to do this or, oh, I, you know, something else would creep in and... I should be better at it than what I really am. <laughs> because you've been at this for so long. But it's the reason that we, we, we say practicing prayer. Mm -hmm. Because we yeah. don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't never perfect really get this. It. Yeah, we yeah. don't, yeah, we don't, we don't. Yeah. And it's, it, it's a learned art. It's the simplest thing in the spiritual life and also the most complicated. Um, I didn't ask you this, but do you mind, uh, can you kick us off with, by reading the scripture this morning? Sure. Okay. You got a so, Bible? I'm sorry? You got a Bible? We'll do it on oh, the screen. Okay. How about right. that? Uh, so we're going we're gonna to be looking at the book of uh, Joshua in the Old Testament um, for a couple of weeks. And I um, want John to read for us the first 11 verses of chapter 1 of the book of Joshua. So if you go to the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. And this is the story of uh, the children of Israel kind of going into the promised land. So book of Joshua Chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, <clears throat> we'll tie all this together, and let's go old school and stand out of reverence for God's word as John reads uh, from Joshua chapter 1. <clears throat> After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give you. Give to them, to the Israelites. 
I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea to the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so, will I, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, Go through the camp and tell the people, Get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here and to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. Thank you, John. You may be seated. All right, so there will be joys and trials this year. There will be gains and losses this year. Many of us will take new territory this year, and I believe we will as a church. Uh, and I, listen, I don't say that lightly. I, I don't say that I don't mean that in some typical sense or some preachery, religious way. I believe God is up to something special. And we're praying to find out what that is. So, how do we lean into it? How do we make the most of our time, of our insultingly short time that we have? How do we, how do we move into what's next for us as a church? How do we get ready? And how do we do that as individuals and as families? I believe the Old Testament story of Joshua offers us a roadmap for, for moving into what's next. And I believe our roadmap starts with nurturing the right way of thinking. Uh, if, you, if you want a summary of what we're going to talk about today, here it is. Worthwhile change is accomplished by resolutely acting on your faith in God's promises and in obedience to his command. And if you're keeping score at home, I've given you a sermon card with fill in the blanks because I want you to remember these. Worthwhile change is accomplished by resolutely acting on your faith in God's promises and in obedience to his commands. And the story of Joshua opens that up for us. All right, first let me give you the historical backdrop for what uh, John read for us. Uh, some of you know this giddy up, but... Uh, the book of Genesis tells the story very early on, tells the story of Abraham. And Abraham lived about 1,800, maybe 1,900 years before Jesus. And uh, at one point, Abraham had this epic encounter with God. And God said to him, Abraham sensed that God was saying to him, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And I'm going to give you all of the land around where you're living one day to, to your descendants. It'll be yours. And then Abraham had a son, Isaac. Isaac had a son, Jacob. 
And Jacob has an experience with God, and he, he gets renamed. God gives him essentially a nickname, Israel. And, and then uh, Israel has 12 sons. They become, this, obviously, the sons of Israel, and they become the heads of the 12 tribes of Israel. And, and eventually, the entire family, through a series of circumstances, moves to Egypt. And over time, the Egyptians slowly, because they're outsiders, the Egyptians slowly turn against them, begin to treat them bad, badly, and after a few generations, they enslaved them. They were enslaved for 400 years in Egypt. And then that brings us to the Old Testament book of Exodus. In Old Testament book of Exodus, God raises up a hero. His name is Moses. And now Moses lived about 13 or 1400 years before Jesus. And uh, through Moses, the people get delivered, and Moses leads them across the desert. And, and then at the very edge of the land that they're being led back to, the land that Abraham was in, the land that they've always felt like was their land of promise, the land they've prayed about and dreamed about, uh, right when they get to the edge of it, uh, Moses dies, and he, he turns uh, leadership of the adventure, the next part of the adventure, over to Joshua. And that brings us to the passage that uh, John read for us this morning. And under Joshua's leadership, they were faced with something unimaginably exciting, unimaginably epic. They've been waiting on this forever and unimaginably challenging. I mean, the, the, the citizens inside the, the promised land, uh, the, many of them are living in fortified cities. And in the ancient world, the best way to go to war is to go inside of a fortified city. And the Israelites are going to have to attack this somehow. So, how were they to accomplish what was next for them? How were they going to meet the challenge? Well, for starters, they needed to nurture the right way of thinking. Here's what we mean by that. Because, wait, because right thinking leads to right behavior. Right things will happen when we start to think the right way. And as we listen to God's word to Joshua, we see that right thinking has at least five elements. Here's what we mean by nurturing the right thinking. Right thinking has at least five elements. First, the kind of thinking that enables us to act on what's next healthily starts with readiness. We've got to get ready. That's what God said first to Joshua. Get ready. For the Israelites, that meant the huge logistical challenge of moving the entire nation across the Jordan River and getting them prepared now, not just for Bedouin life, but for warfare and consistent warfare over a period of time. Honestly, listen, honestly, that kind of readiness describes much of what we already do when we're approaching something new. You, you, you ended up in a place like Northern Virginia in upper middle income suburbs in America because you're pretty good at this get our finances together or build a plan for how we're going to get in shape or what we're going to do this next year to negotiate our salary or how we're going to lose weight or how we're going to this year, how we're going to manage the kids' schedule or how we'll pay for the new house or how we're going to finance the new change in our income, etc. We build these plans. We're pretty good at it, and that's a good thing. But for many of us, that's the sum total of our strategy for dealing with what's next. However, God is talking about something more here, even in just the get ready part. There's also emotional and attitudinal and spiritual readiness. 
this moving in to take the land, they, they'd been looking forward to this. So they'd been dreaming about this for generations, praying about it. Not to mention 40 years of actively traveling in the desert to get to this point. And now, here it is. Here it is. Get ready. So, this year is here. With its joys and its trials, its gains and its losses, it's here. So let's get ready. Secondly, God says, I'm not going to spend much time on on any of these because we're going to do some lab work in a minute. Uh, Secondly, God says, be strong and courageous. And he says it three times. So evidently, there's an intense need for this. I've, I've talked to three of you over the last five months, three of you here over the last five months, who believe that major changes are coming for you in the area of your work. Everything's going to change. Others of you are facing major changes in other life circumstances. As we already noted, some of us will face serious challenges this year. We already know it. Are you ready? Okay, well then, let's remember, be strong and courageous because strength and courage will be required if we're going to do it healthily. I got an email prayer request from someone this week who was writing on behalf of someone else. Uh, And the person they were writing on behalf of, they had lost their husband to cancer last summer. And then her father died in the early fall. And then her mother passed away between Christmas and New Year's. Now, there's no way that we can be ready for something like that specifically but we can, we can ready ourselves for embracing whatever God leads us toward. We can and we must if we're going to do this healthily. Uh, and, and we can remind ourselves, and, and, and we can own, we can, we can own strength and courage that God has given us. Be strong and courageous. Be very strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And remember, be strong and courageous. You got this, Joshua. You got this. You can do this. I raised you up for this. So no matter what it is that you will face this year, you can do this. Thirdly, the kind of thinking that enables us to move effectively through what's next involves trusting God's promises. We must trust in God's promises. Listen to verses uh, 3 through five, I, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. I'm going to do that, and he did. Your territory will extend, gives the boundaries of the territory, and it's extensive. For this group of Bedouins, it's unimaginable. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Consistently. Throughout the Bible, God reminds us, God reminds his people that he's with us. He will not leave us or forsake us, regardless of our circumstances, ever. We are told that we have his life and power in residence in us. When we make a connection with him, it is as if he comes to live in our chest. We're told that the power that's in us is greater than any kind of power we're going to face. We're told that nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing can disconnect us 
once we've decided to receive the gift of life that he offers. We're told that everything that happens, everything that happens, even the hardest things, the most challenging things, ultimately they work for our good if we, if we set ourselves in life in him. I could go on. In fact, according to a Google search we did this week, we discovered this week, Jordan and I, there are over, no matter who you ask, there are over 7,000 promises from God in the Bible. It's hard to trust that. But that's the work of taking new territory, to trust that. Do all of us automatically feel, yeah, I got that. Oh, I believe that constantly. No, that's the work we do, to lean into that, to trust that, to build on that. Plus, plus, aside from all those general promises that God has given us, there are almost certainly promises that he's made to you specifically over the course of your lives because he loves you, because you're his child. Trust those. Lean into those. Build on those. We'll do some work on that in a minute. You know, this is why we're praying for this month. It is an act of trust. It's, we're believing that we do this stupid thing, we, we set aside an hour and we pray, and God's going to do stuff. We're not, we're not starting our year with planning or with activity. We're starting our year with prayer. We're trusting. We're listening. We said right thinking has at least five elements. First, readiness. Second, be strong and courageous. Third, trusting in God's promises. And fourth, we must be careful to obey what God has said. We've got, to, we've, got to have, we've got to have a renewed commitment to this if we're going to move healthily into what God has for us next. Verse, listen to verse 7. Be strong, very courageous. Joshua, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it to the, don't deviate. Don't turn from it to the right or the left. Just, just lock in on that and you'll be successful. Certainly, that means knowing God's word. I mean, knowing what he said, what he's commanded, and then following that. But we'll, again, we'll talk about this in a second. But the idea of obedience also means some very specific things for you and me individually. What has God said to you? Please don't snooze on this. What has God said to you about that secret habit? The way you're using alcohol or the way you're mistreating your body or the way you're using pornography, or that relationship that you're nurturing, etc. What has God said about the way you've gotten stuck, or the way you've disengaged? What has God said? We'll do that. Try, lean into that. What has God said about that pattern in your life? of anxiety, or perfection, of control, of anger. What has God said? Lean into that. Pursue that. I know it's not easy. It's really difficult to stop being angry. But pursue that. Work on that. Be honest about it. Grow in that direction. That kind of work is required if we're going to move healthily into what God has for us next as a church, and as families, and as individuals. Be careful to obey what God has said. And fifth, finally, build your life on the book 
Verse 8, keep this book of the law always on your lips, Joshua. Look, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then it's going to go well. You'll be successful and prosperous. Listen, if this is a new idea for you, then I don't want you to confuse this with religious activity. Building your life on this book is not a religious activity. of how God interacts with people like us. It's, it's his, his revealed character. It's, it's what he's saying to us. And when we keep this story central to our field of vision, then, then we are prepared for what's next. We're more equipped to deal with the joys and trials, the gains and losses healthily. Build your life on the book. All right, so we're going to make a declaration together, and then we're going to uh, do some work. We're going to do a little bit of lab work. Um, are you awake? Okay, That's, some of you are. Uh, I will build my life on God's promises and on obedience to his commands. This is the declaration that we're going to make this morning, and these things matter to our heart, to our chest, to our mind. Uh, if you are ready, I want you to make this declaration with me. You may not be, and that's fair. That really is fair. You may be investigating this morning, legit. But if you are ready, let's, let's make this declaration and let's mean it. Stand with me. I'm going to invite the worship team to come if they would. Okay, even if you're sitting by yourself, you can mouth, but I want you to turn to somebody near you, and I want you to mouth, get ready, go. If you're watching at home, I'm talking to you as well. Let's say this together, willfully and prayerfully, I'll build my life, etc. I'm not going to build my life on my strategic plan. I'm not going to build my life on the hopes I set in my bank account. I'm not going to build my life on my health or my, or my hopes about this new relationship. I'm not going to build my life on what's coming for the kids this year. I'm going to build my life on, we're going to say this on three together. One, two, three. I will build my life on God's promises and on obedience to his commands. And all God's people said. Amen. All right, sit down. I didn't mean to make that sound like such an order. Sit down. Uh, okay, I, I want you to um, uh, uh, I want you to hear some promises of God, and this is just general. I mean, we you know, there are a lot of them. I've just picked some at random. What I want you to do is I want you to do a little work right now. What, as you hear this, is this difficult for you to believe? Because let's be honest, it is for, for much of this. Uh, you've been, uh, those of you who've been around this for a long time, it's still difficult. And if you're new, really difficult. Uh, so where are you on believing this and on owning this and on building? We're going to build on this. And then, beyond that, I want you to grab one or two that, that rings that speaks to your heart and your mind this morning.
I want you to do some work with it. I want you to turn it over. What does that mean? Where am I with this? Sit with it. If you need to write something down, use the back of that sermon card. But I'm just going to read a list of general promises. Not many. There's like 10 here. And you, you do some work with these. Let these, soak, let, let, let these flow over you. And then grab one or two to soak in for a minute. So just listen. Psalm 55, 22. Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. Isaiah 26, 3. You keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast, the, the ones that trust in you. John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. John 14, 14. You may ask for anything in my name and I'll do it. James 1, 2 and 3. Count it all joy my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And that steadfastness, let it have its full effect. That you may be perfect and complete, you'll lack nothing. Deuteronomy 31.8, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Romans 6, 4. Sin will not rule over you because you're not under law. You're under grace. Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. Hebrews 13, 5. Look, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what's common to everybody around you. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he'll provide a way out so that you can endure it. Finally, Philippians 4.19, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Let's spend a minute and make this personal. Let's do this prayerfully. Why don't you, why don't you close your eyes? Zero distractions for this. What, what promises do you believe God has made to you, especially to you, about your family or about your future? or about your connection to him. If you've been a, listen, if you've been a Christian for a while, think back to when you were young in the faith. What, what, did, what did God speak into your life? If you're newer to the faith, ask him now. Ask him today. God, what are you speaking into my life? What, what promises of God speak to you? What has he spoken to you? Okay, I encourage you to do a little more work on that later. 
Let's now spend a moment with commands before we go. Remember, we sang earlier, I'll rest in your promises. This is what we build on. So commands. I, wanna, I want you to, first of all, let's think generally. So shift now to, to God's commands. Think of Jesus' command to follow him, to forsake everything to follow him. What does that mean for you at this point in your life? To follow him. Think of his command to love God with all our heart, soul, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And Jesus said basically everything I've said to you summarized in that. What speaks to you about that command right now at this point in your life? Okay, again, for a moment, let's be especially prayerful. I want you to, to uh, make this personal. I want you to own this. Is, is there some particular command that God is speaking to you today? Is there a sin pattern that he's speaking to you about? Is there an absence of time in his word or prayerlessness in your life that he's speaking to you about? Is there something he wants you to do that he's speaking to you about? Something he wants you to give up that he's speaking to you about? What is, what is he speaking to you about right now?